Marahavan biggies, Marahavan biggies. Hello, hello, hello. Namaste, namaste. In the beautiful Hindi. Namaste, namaste. Miranam pavi. Apse milkar kushi. It is a pleasure to have you all here and um, we're going to jump right into it. So, um, it's been, yes, it's been a little bit, it's been a little bit, but I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> very, very busy, busy, busy. But we are again back in another episode of When Things Fall Apart, Hard Advice for Difficult Times with my dearest Miss Pima Chadron. The trick of choicelessness. The trick of choicelessness. We don't experience the world fully unless we are willing to give everything away. Samaya means not holding anything back, not preparing our escape route, not looking for alternatives, not thinking that there is ample time to do things later. I again am honored and pleased to have you all here today. I am Guru of Pavi or Paviel, however you like to say it. Whatever is more easier for you, however, the correct way to say it will be Guru Paviel. But most folks will just say Pavi for short. The teachings of Buddhism are directed at people who don't have a lot of time to waste. That includes all of us, <laughs> whether we're aware of it or not. From the point of view of the teachings, thinking that we have ample time to do things later is the greatest myth, the greatest hang-up, and the greatest poison. And that along with our continual deep-seated tendency to try to get away from what we are doing clouds our perceptions and our thinking. If we know that tonight we were going to go blind, we would take a longing last real look at every blade of grass, every cloud formation, every speck of dust and every rainbow, raindrop and everything. If we knew that we were going to be deaf tomorrow, we would treasure every single sound we heard. The teachings of the Vajranya try to scare us into waking up to how little time there is and to the preciousness of human birth. In the Rajarana, there is something called the Samaya bond, whereby the student total experience is bound to the path. At a certain time, after a lot of intelligent questioning, the student may finally feel ready to enter into a Samaya relationship with his or her teacher. If the student accepts and trusts the teacher completely and the teacher accepts the student, they can enter into the unconditional relationship called Samaya. The teacher will never give up on the student no matter how mixed up he or she might be and the student will also never leave the teacher no matter what. The student and the teacher are bound together. It's like a pact that they make to attain enlightenment together. Another definition of Samaya is sacred oath or sacred commitment. But it's nothing holy. It's a commitment to sanity, to indestructible sanity. Samaya is like a marriage with reality. 
a marriage with the phenomenal world. But it's a trick. This marriage is a little bit like having amnesia. We think that we have decided to marry this partner of our own free choice. However, unknown to us, we have already are married. Samaya is a trick because we think we have a choice about whether or not to make this commitment to sanity. But the fact is, it's been choiceless all along. It's a compassionate trick, a trick to help us to realize that there's really is no exit. There really is no better time than right now. There is no higher state of consciousness than this one. It's the kind of trick that Vajrayana teaches devise in their spare time for their thorough, complete, and utter enjoyment. So how can we trick these confused, bewildered, untamable beings into realizing that they're already awake? And that is choiceless, I ask. I leave that question to you, my dearest listeners. I leave that question to you. Again, I ask, how can we trick these confused, bewildered, untamable beings into realizing that they're already awake? And that it's choicelessness. As you think about this question, we're going to come to a brief break and a brief pause. Hold your seats right there tight. And I'll be right back with you to continue this beautiful message into the trick of choicelessness. The trick of choicelessness here with Guru Pavia. Here we are back again and we left off with how can we trick these confused, bewildered, untamable beings into realizing that they're already awake and that is choicelessness. Did you all think about it? Do you know why? Well, from the point of view of Samaya, we could say that looking for alternatives is the only thing that keeps us from realizing that we're already in a sacred world. Looking for alternatives, better sights than we see, better sounds that we hear, a better mind that we have, keeps us from realizing that we could stand with pride in the middle of our life and realize it's a sacred Mandela. We have such a deep tendency to want to squirm out of it like a beetle on a pin. We squirm and try to get away, away and far away from just being on the dot. <laughs> In the Rajarayana Buddhism, there are descriptions of many different samyas. But they all have to do with realizing that we are bound to reality already. They all trick us into that choicelessness situation, even if every inch of our being wants to run in the opposite direction. We stay here. There is no other way to enter sacred world. We have to stop thinking that we can get away and settle down somewhere else. Instead, we could just relax. Relax with exhaustion. Indigestion insomnia 
irritation, delight, whatever. But the most important samyas are the samyas of the body, the speech and the mind. The mind. The mind. First is being bound to the body, bound to the form, to what we see with our eyes. Sticking with that and never giving up on what we see with our eyes. It is said that the samayas of body, speech, and mind are as continuous as a river flowing. That's not our usual experience. Our usual experience is that just when our perception is getting vivid, we get jumpy. The world is always displaying itself. Always waving and winking, but we're all are so self-involved that we miss it. The experience of sticking with it, of not giving up, is one in which the whole world, everything that we see, becomes extremely vivid and more solid. And, and that, the same time less substantial and more transparent chukriya thank you hello you hear me again i say the experience of sticking with it of not giving up is one in which the whole world everything that we see becomes extremely vivid and more solid and at the same time, less substantial and more transparent. We're not talking about seeing anything other than the person sitting in the front of us. Seeing how his or her hair sticks up or lies down, is dirty or clean, brushed or gnarled. Or seeing a bird with black feathers and a twig in its mouth, sitting in a tree. The things we all see all the time can pop us out of the painful cycle of samasara. Chukriya. If we stick with it, our experience becomes more vivid and more transparent. Namaste. And we can no longer not get the message. And this is a message that we never and never gets interpreted things speak for themselves it's not that the red cushion means passion or little mouse darting in and out means discursive mind it's just red cushion and little mouse peeping out from behind the chair sound is the same thing ordinary sound every sound that we can hear from the alarm clock waking us up in the morning to our snoring companion at night, we all know what sounds are like when they punctuate and startle us. But, but what does your pen sound like writing in your notebook, I ask? What does your pen sound like writing in your notebook, I ask? I leave you with that question for just a brief moment and we're going to come right back. Namaste. So as I say, what does your pen sound like writing in your notebook? 
And how does it sound when you turn the pages of this notebook? The notebook in your mind. What about your own voice? It's interesting to hear one's own voice. It sounds like somebody else's voice. To hear what we say and see how it goes out into the environment. And communicates also. Has the power to pop up. Pop us out of the deadness of samasara. Even if we're alone. Our yawns and our farts and communicate. <laughs> so every ordinary little peep or scratch or snicker. Every little chewing sound or drinking sound or whatever. Can wake us up. The idea of samaya. Is that we don't avoid our personal experience. If we don't think that there's a better. More inspiring. Less irritating. Or less disturbing sound. Sounds become vivid and transparent. Namaste. The same goes for mine. As we practice. We see that thoughts do not go away. They become more precious. And less substantial. At the level of mind, we break samaya. By making things wrong or making things right, we think we have some choice to make. Some alternative to just hanging out, with not solving anything, not resolving anything. We could say that at the level of mind, breaking samaya is feeling that we must come up with a solution to a problem. Or feeling that there's a solution or a problem at all. That might give you some idea of how difficult it is to keep Samaya. Traditionally, it is said that keeping the Samaya bond is like keeping a mirror polished. As soon as it has been clean, dust begins to alight. The Samaya bond is an experimental and can be violated by a moment of distraction. Nevertheless, we can mend it instantly by following the same familiar instruction of just coming back to this very moment. Trungpa Rapanchi's Sangha of Mahamundra describes the Samaya of body, speech, and mind in a beautiful way. Whatever is seen with the eyes is vividly unreal in emptiness, yet there is still form, he says. It goes on to say that this is none other than the appearance of our teacher. Whatever is heard with the ears is the echo of emptiness, yet real. And those ordinary everyday sounds are the utterness of our teacher. All our thoughts and memories, good and bad, happy and sad, all vanish into emptiness like the imprint of a bird in the sky. All these constantly arise thoughts are the mind of our teacher. This is where we begin to be introduced to the fact that our teacher is not separate from our experience. We realize that there is no alternative to the experience that we have. Our experience is the only experience there is. This is the ultimate teacher. Namaste. According to the famous quote, the student of Vajrayana Buddhism should always be in a state of panic. It is so unfamiliar to us to make such a total commitment to being awake that it is unnerves us. Once when I was spending hours and hours doing a certain practice, I became so agitated that I could hardly sit still. Later, I told Rapanchi that I felt irritated at everything, even little specks of dust. 
He said that happened because the practice was demanding me to be sane and I wasn't used to that yet. In the case of Samaya, when we talk about commitment, it's total commitment. Total commitment to sanity, total commitment to our experience, an unconditional relationship with reality. People always say that that's what they want. They want someone to love them unconditionally and they want to love someone unconditionally. We think we'd be delighted to have some unconditional relationship, but that's only as long as it's our, on our own terms. Namaste? Marhaven? Anyone who has been married or in a long-term relationship knows that challenges present themselves. The challenges are to give in, to surrender our way of doing things, and not to split when we feel threatened. Basically, the challenge is to be genuine, to feel our pounding heart or shaking knees or whatever it is, and stick with it. In a nutshell, very few of us allow ourselves to be in a situation that doesn't have at least tensy windy little exit or a place where we can get out if we have to. In the 60s in New Mexico, I used to go sweat lodges. I would insist on sitting by the door because if I was anywhere but by the door, I couldn't get out. It would get hotter and hotter and hotter in there and the steam would fill the space and I was sure I was going to die. But if I could sit by the door, I know that I could leave. Then I could make it through, of course. If I sat away from the door, I had to make it through. But I would be so freaked out the whole time that it wasn't much fun. Well, with Samaya... We do not get to sit by the door. It's the ultimate trick. It's the only way we finally experience our experience. It's our only entrance into the existing sacredness of the world. Before we feel ready for the kind of demand, we make a journey. We start with our confusion and our wildness and we begin to let meditation and the teachings tame us. We take what we hear to heart and we do our best to put it into practice in our everyday life. The sincere effort begins to calm us down. Namaste. It isn't that suddenly we begin perfect and sit far away from the door. It's more than that through years and years of gentle training and honest, in, intelligent inquiry, we begin to trust our basic wisdom mind. Marhaven. We find that we have an essential wisdom, an essential good heart. That is stronger and more fundamental than our unkindness and aggression. As we practice, we uncover that wisdom. It's like finding that sky and the sun, we are always there. And that it's the storms and the clouds that come and go. Somehow feeling that we are ready to have no exit just occurs by itself. Naropa's foremost student was Tibetan name Marpa the Translator. On one of his trips to India, Marpa had collected the traditional gold to give to the teacher. Now, Marpa was not exactly a coward. He was not exactly stingy. He was a very bold, gusty kind of fellow. For instance, his friends and family tried to get someone to walk with him from Tibet to India. And he refused to have company even though his health wasn't all that good and he was over 50 years old. So the story goes that Marpa made his final gift of gold to his teacher Naropa. But he kept a little back, but as we all always do, and there was a, um, a reasonable explanation for this. 
He had to travel home and he needed a little gold, just a little bit. But Naropa said, do you think you can buy me with your deception? So Marpa gave him all of it. Naropa threw the gold up into the air and said, the whole world is gold to me. At the point, Marpa realized the nature of the reality more vividly than ever before. We don't experience the world fully unless we are willing to give everything away. Samaya means not holding on anything back. Not preparing our escape route. Not looking for alternatives. Not thinking that there is ample time to do things later. Namaste. In some sense, the whole Samaya relationship, whether it's with the phenomenal world, as the absolute teacher or with an individual person, it's about softening us up. Softening us up. It softens us up so that we can deceive ourselves. So that we can't be deaf, dumb, and blind. So that we always get the message. The Samaya relationship with Rajayana teachings is meant to help us. It's meant to introduce us to the fact that if we could have an unconditional relationship with even one person, we can have an unconditional relationship with the world. Marhaven. Up to that point, we think that we can get away. That we can squirm out of it. But in this particular relationship, we make a commitment to hang in there no matter what happens. Marpa's principal student was Milarepa. And initially, their relationship was a tough one. Milarepa had no doubt that Marpa was his teacher and that Marpa could lead him to enlightenment. Therefore, Milarepa told him, I commit myself to you totally with body, speech, and mind. Please help me to realize my true nature. Then the challenges began. Milarepa had accumulated a lot of karmic baggage. In particular, he had killed a lot of people and caused a lot of pain. In order for him to put down that load, he had to undergo many trials. Namaste. Marpa kept making him build towers when they were almost complete. He would yell at Milarepa to tear them down. Milarepa suffered much in his early years with Marpa. He couldn't get any teachings. He was continually insulted. And he built towers until his hands and back were one big sore. Nevertheless, Milarepa never doubted Marpa's motivation. And in truth, although he rarely displayed it, Marpa loved Milarepa with his whole heart and wanted only to help him wake up fully. Each time, Milarepa surrendered to the situation. Each time, he dropped his resentment depression and pride and he was dropping his ancient habitual baggage at a certain point he was so naked he had nothing left to lose then Marpa gave him the teachings and their relationship entered a new phase of tenderness and warmth but it's a process in the beginning our habit of running away is so deep seated that we just experiment with this trick of being bound We do this by practicing meditation. At first, the meditation instruction is all we have to keep us from dissociating from our body, speech, and mind. 
years after years, we just keep practicing coming back to our own experience of being in the present moment. Making a formal Samaya bond and entering into an unconditional relationship with a teacher is like putting ourselves in the jaws of the crocodile, Marahavan. We need to take a long time to decide we trust that particular crocodile enough to stick with him or her no matter what. My own experience of this process was very gradual. When I first met Trungpa Panchi, I thought, now here is someone I can't con. That was why I moved to Colorado where I could spend more time in his presence. I moved closer but I was definitely not ready to surrender. There was intelligence in this. Rapanchi often scared me and outraged me. I wasn't sure I could trust him and most important I wasn't sure I loved him. In fact, I remember whole retreat during which I, I would look at his picture and cry because I couldn't feel what I thought was proper devotion. At the same time, I kept moving closer. He was the only person I could talk to about where I felt stuck and where I felt open. He was the only person who could cut through all my trips. Every so often, he suddenly speak to me, maybe in a crowd, maybe during a business meeting, always when I least expected it. He'd ask me a question or make a comment that would totally stop my mind. Long after I became his student, and long after I became and I began Vajrayana practice, Long after, practitioners usually take the formal Samaya vow with their teacher. I finally knew without any doubt that I could trust him with my life, no matter what he said or did. He was my link with sacred world. Without him, I wouldn't have a clue as to what that meant. It simply involved that as I followed his teachings and woke up further, I finally realized his limitless kindness and experience that vastness of his mind. At that point, the only place I wanted to be was in the jaws of the crocodile. When I say that Samaya is a trick, I mean that it tricks us into realizing that our relationship with the phenomenal world has always been choiceless. It's always been choiceless. We don't really have a choice. I'm going to leave you all right there with a brief, brief break, and we're going to come right back, okay? And we're going to finish up this beautiful episode of The Trick of Choicelessness. And I know that many of my listeners right now, you can relate to this right now. You might see the crocodile, but you might want to join that jaws of the crocodile. That crocodile might change your life. Hold your seat. We might come right back right now and so the choice that we think we have is called ego ego this choice we think we have is what's keeping us from realizing that we're in a sacred world this choice that we think we have is like blinders earplugs and nose plugs we are thoroughly conditioned so that the minute the seats get hot or we even think it's going to get hot we jump off the trick is to sit on the hot seat and have a commitment to our experience of the hot seatness with or without a formal samaya with a teacher 
This remains the main point. So what do we really commit ourselves? Is it to playing it safe and manipulating our life and our whole world so that it will give us security and confirmation? Or is it our commitment to a deeper and deeper levels of matri? The question always remains, and what do we take refuge? Do we take refuge in a small self-satisfied action, speech, and mind? Or do we take refuge in warriorship and taking a leap and going beyond our usual safety zones? Deep chapter. 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 That's all I have to say about that. Deep chapter. Rewind it. Listen to it again. It will help you. It will help you. It will help you. And I'm going to leave it at that. God bless everyone. May peace be with all. And Ashlam Alaikum to the next episode.